Welcome back to Film Hole Classic, the Film Hole Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm still a scientist. And every week we watch a movie. Then we sit down and we talk about it. This is a, a classic, or at least our attempt to do like a classic episode since the formula's kind of deviated recently. Mm-hmm. This week we watched the matrix the matrix yeah the matrix and i feel like this is just a real classic film whole choice for the movie oh absolutely uh why do you think that is though i don't know the matrix is just like the kind of movie that well here's what it is it's a movie that both you and i have history with it's a well-known movie Mm -hmm. it's the kind of movie that like yeah like young adult people would just like talking about it like deep teenagers are like whoa Deep teens. <laughs> Deep teens. <laughs> All right. I yeah, I agree with that. It's my favorite movie, and so it's um nostalgic. And I think we decided nostalgia is kind of. The, it's got the nostalgia factor for sure. It's kind of the the secret ingredient of uh, the film whole essence, which is super shallow, but that's okay. Living in the past, in the present. That's right. That's the tagline of the show. Yeah. It's like a like a sci-fi like time travel or like um total recall like illusion style like slogan. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like um I was thinking like old person's home. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Living in the past in the present. Shantytown, old folks, old folks home. <laughs> Shantytown. <laughs> it's like got a super shitty name too. It's like, we want to make this place seem as unappealing as possible. <laughs> so is there a connection between this movie and the previous movie? Um, any Which previous movies? Any previous movie, yeah, I guess. I can't do it. I'm just coming out and saying it. You can't do it? No. I'm drawing just, blanks. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the stuff that I know Keanu Reeves from is, like, not stuff that has, like, a lot of other, like, cast members that I would remember. So I'm just like drawing blanks of like coming up with anybody related to Connor Reeves. Dude, I got one. What? Here we go. This is like the best one, actually. This is like the shortest possible route. Keanu Reeves, who is in Speed, and then uh, the villain in Speed is um, Dennis Hopper. And then Ah, Dennis Hopper is in Mulholland Drive. Nice. Boom. Who is he in Mulholland Drive? He's the bad guy, the gang boss, whatever his name is. I think the, the Blue Velvet. Me. Oh shit! I am thinking of Blue Velvet. Okay, but that's fine because you can just get to you can just jump from straight from Blue Velvet to Mulholland Drive. You're like same director, right? Okay. Surely there's people like overlap in both those movies too, right? Yeah. Laura Dern probably. Uh huh. Okay. Well, we we did it. We did it. There you go. And nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I see why it's so renowned. It is really entertaining. You know, it's, it's it it keeps you guessing. You don't know. Yeah, it just it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat for sure. Because there's just so many there's so many questions that pop up about the Matrix, what's happening. Yeah. So no, I definitely see what the hype is about. Normally, if there's something hyped up. I'm like I'm pretty skeptical, but now this is like well-deserved type um i think the trinity's a babe 
that's the most important takeaway from this movie, I think. Um, beyond that, I think this movie has gained a lot of, uh, like, meaning since it was actually released. And I think even more now people will associate, like, The Matrix as, like, social media at large or, like, online presence even, even more strongly than they did in 1999. But I was also born in 1999, so I don't know how much you can trust my opinion on that. I feel like this is one of those movies for me that I've spent, like, the majority of my, like, late teen, early adult life thinking, like, I'm supposed to have seen this, so I'm just going to pretend that I know what's happening. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, actually sitting down and watching it, like, it's funny that you said, like, it totally lived up to the hype, because at one point in the movie I said to Chris, okay, I get it. (laughs) Like, I get what the hype is about. Um, but i think that like i've always just kind of had it in the back of my mind that's my go-to answer for this is my favorite movie and just like really like planting my feet in that answer and giving it like solidly like year after year and i think that the movie's like got its like problems but like i still am like fully okay with like calling it my favorite movie so holds up i heard a little bit about you know, it being a, a metaphor for the allegory of the cave. It, for me, I can't mention the Matrix without thinking the allegory of the cave. So it's really cool uh, in that aspect. It's really philosophical. All right, what do you think? Those are some great hot takes. Those are the hottest that of takes. That was the cream of the crop. All right, you want to dig into the, uh, into the movie? Yeah, so let's dig into this movie. Do you like the rest of the series? The other two sequels as well? Yeah, I do. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I really do. They're sharp movies. I mean, they have everything like the original has and they're like tighter. I think they're a lot of fun. And I think the first one had like a special kind of sauce and had a big influence on a lot of people and the other two Matrix movies, in my opinion, are just kind of like diving deeper into the lore. Yeah. But they don't they don't necessarily have anything new to offer in the way of like like counterculture thinking or, you know, like 90s, uh, whatever you call that, like that feeling that that movie has, like grunge. Uh-huh. It's just it gets more like Matrixy, And you're either on board for that or you're not. And I think that most people who like the first movie just like it because it's it's a cool movie and the uh, other two are just well, a little bit more nerdy they don't expand too much like on the concepts or like themes that the first one presents you know we're still talking about like like living in a simulation and like the nature of reality but it's also right. but it's more so focused on like fighting machines like man versus machine yeah they're more action focused i think I don't know how much deeper like those movies could realistically go down those avenues, you know? Yeah. I guess like without it being like way up its own ass. Right. I guess the first movie has uh strikes a nice balance there be- because it brings up all those concepts and it still has like a uh, an air of like mystique to it. Like by the end of the mm-hmm. first movie, the nature of like the machines and like what exactly is going on is still mm-hmm. a little bit of a mystery to us. Mm-hmm. We've only been told fragments up to that point. They're like, oh, you know, humanity fell, like machines rose. This is the situation. 
Yeah. We, we learn really... a lot more from the later movies and then from like the Animatrix. Yeah. And other properties. Other properties? Video games and Intellectual such. Intellectual nature. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I really, in like, I enjoy the mystique of like the history of humanity in the first movie. And really, you could just like, you could preserve that in the first movie because it doesn't get any deeper. But uh, I totally like buy into all of the lore that gets fleshed out in the other two movies. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the mystery of the first one for me. No, no. And you get to see Zion, which I think is like a really cool thing. Yes. You get to see the last, like the final human settlement. And it's like super cool. It's in caves. Nobody thought it was going to be in caves. Right. Yeah. I really enjoy the history of the machines, like the downfall of man and the yeah, rising of the yeah. machines. But you only really get a full picture of that in the Animatrix. Right, right. Which we watched for the pre-show. That was like, that's sweet. All right. Well, this week, welcome to the film hole, our guest, Savannah Smith, who, by her own admission, is a first-time Matrix watcher. She had not seen the Matrix prior to the film hole screening on Thursday night. Uh, And so that's the reason that we wanted to talk to her. Welcome, Savannah. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, let's just uh, ask you the obvious question. What did you think of this movie? You kind of answered this on the, the Hot Takes interview, but I'm interested in how it's set with you for the last couple days. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking about it today. I still feel the same. I was surprisingly unfazed by it. I feel like, I, I think I said, I, I did think it um, lived up to the hype. <laughs> having never seen it before and heard about it my whole life, but having to pretend that I had seen it when I had never seen it. You feel like you like needed to have seen it for the street cred? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's true. I don't. I think you can get by without watching The Matrix and be fine. Yeah, I, I feel like it's not a deal breaker. Just one of those things that I felt like at a certain point in life, I should have had, I should have seen it and I hadn't. It's not like I, I elaborated on not seeing it. I just kind of, you know, kept quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you made it through the last two decades, you know, intact without watching The Matrix, you would have been fine. But it's great that you did finally get to see it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a good thing. I'm curious as to what the hype was that you experienced. I don't know. I ran with a pretty nerdy crowd for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, pivot. We're talking about that for the rest of the episode. no it was um i don't know it's just you know posters and jokes and i i heard a lot about like what if we're really in the matrix now this is all just a simulation kind of thing yeah and i knew it had been popular and and when i finally saw it i i understood why it wasn't really like everybody knows what the matrix is even if they haven't seen the movie like they know the concept of like living in a simulation and you don't know it right it all felt a little too real it's hard to think of like any movies that are that widely like known like where the plot of the movie is as familiar as the matrix Mm -hmm. with people not but not necessarily being a wide you know the most popular movie yeah right right so as far as the stuff that you liked about it, you said that it did live up to the hype. In what way did it live up? What happened? I thought it was fun. 
Mm-hmm. It did. It did have you know a couple of like jaw droppers, just some of the plot twists and fight scenes and all that jazz. Like when the slimy guy came out as the slimy guy. <laughs> the, slimy. Yeah, um, the guy with the New Jersey accent. Yeah. Yeah. How do you have an accent in the Matrix? Do you have like the accent in the Matrix and you still talk that way when you come out? Mm. That's a good question. I, this like this is gonna rehash the exact same like debate we were having at the end of the hot takes. Just right. about, like <laughs> really analyzing how it works. Yeah, because you're just like having to break down like how your brain like projects itself, like in a dream or in the Matrix or something. And I'm just bummed out that that's too like, that's too big a can of worms for this early on in the podcast. The only upside <laughs> of the Matrix is that we could have eradicated like the East Coast Boston Jersey accent from existence. Wow, you know, he's like just the word. Oh my god, it just nobody. Oh, likes you were hating on was like that, the East Coast. Was right that now. Valley Girl that you just did? Oh my god, now, I'm trying to do like a go to Baba, <laughs> go to the Baba. Go get a haircut down by the docks. Oh my god, Trevor. Shut the fuck yeah. up. This is like a Boston. <laughs> you're trying to do a Boston thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. just, if, if any of you listening have that accent, stop listening right now. Man. That's like, that's terribly harsh. And also, the guy you're thinking of, this actor, is not even from Boston. He's from Jersey. And same thing. It's not, though. <laughs> the East Coast is all pretty close together over there. So those are all the same people, as far as I'm concerned. Just like everybody in California is the same people, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, we are more homogeneous in that way. Nothing like Kansas. Do you think Kansas has any like regional variations? Um, I are you actually... making a joke right now? No. Yeah, you mean in like... accents? Accents or like really anything? Well, well politics it's... for sure. Outside of Lawrence, it's all super red. Okay. I think the accents question is really interesting because I didn't I didn't grow up here and I kind of am a mix of southern Illinois and like Wisconsin accent. So depending on who I'm with, I slip into a little bit of each and I can hear some of it about every once in a while. But I've never I, I feel like Kansas has been the most neutral sounding accent I've ever heard. Yeah, that's my impression, too. I thought that way, too, but I'm from Kansas, so I don't know if I'm being biased or not. Yeah, I mean, I lived I lived in southern Illinois, all over the Midwest, so I have no experience outside of that. But um, southern Illinois, central Wisconsin, northern Illinois, all very different accents, and Kansas was just kind of dull in that area, I guess. I don't know. We need to get off of accents, but they're so interesting because I can't even imagine having an accent because i can i can do accents but it's something i'm putting effort into you know like i'm i have to put some effort into to speak british you know like but some people just fucking talk like that like that's, that's the default thing that comes out of their mouth <laughs> i just don't <laughs> understand i don't understand how that works it's I still hold like that british people talk normal when they're not around, like in public, around other people, <laughs> and they just Good put theory. on airs. Yeah, but anyways, let's let's get back to the. I want to ask Savannah the the pill question. Do it. Red pill or blue pill? Which would I take? Yeah, which do one you do remember? You do? Which one does which? 
the blue pill keeps you there. The red pill takes you out, right? Uh-huh. I want to say that I'd be a red pill person. I'll go with that. Yeah. That's find, the idea, find a, right? Well, isn't that, you know, everybody wants to think that they're the red pill person, but are they really the red pill person? You know what I mean? That's true. I think there's maybe totally. like, there's a little bit of shame in like just saying like, no, I wouldn't want to you know, overturn all of this. But I think if, like, you were really faced with that decision, that apprehension would start creeping up. And I think more people are blue pillars than yeah, th- dude. they let off. People, More people are cowards than not. <laughs> yeah. I think. So I'd hope that I would choose the red pill, but... I don't know, man. It's like, if my life was, like, pretty good, like, yeah. in The Matrix... You wouldn't want to... I would like, why would I, I don't care. Like I will happily go back to my like fantasy. Yeah. I mean, and if, if we really want to get into it, if everything's like made up anyway, you know, you're happy, you got, you got a wife and kids, you know, a dog to get back to. I don't know. You have a life and you have to start thinking like, are those people going to miss me? And it's all a simulation. So it doesn't really matter, but I feel like that would creep up on people for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you if you took like the red pill that you would end up like cipher where you spent some time like in the real world and then after a while you're like, This sucks. Like I'm just it's like it's an interesting thought experiment because it's like right now, like twenty twenty is like a good example. Like the world sucks. Like it's crumbling right. around us. And it's like if someone was like, You can just like, you know, go live in a computer and like forget that this world ever even existed. That's a pretty appealing offer. Kind of like Kim Kardashian on her island. But I also feel like anybody wants to escape this right now. It's just a matter of, you know, I guess, yeah. you know, weighing your risks. Sure. Yeah, we're in blue pill season of the earth right now. I think so. Like, if presented with the option like right now. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at that. But like whatever escapism means out of the two colors. Right. Right. If people were presented with that now. I mean, people might literally take the red pill now. They would go right. into the Matrix or they would come out of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. To get if away this, from the real If world. this is the Matrix, people would get out of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. No, I think I'd still take the red pill right now. If, yeah. yeah, you're right. If this is the simulation, I want out of it. Yeah, for sure. That's a... An interesting thing from the second movie, which you haven't seen, Savannah, but you get to like learn a little bit more about like how and why the Matrix was created and like the problems with it. So it like starts to explain like why just shit goes wrong in the Matrix. So if you think if we're all living in like a, a computer simulation, nothing is real, you could think that it like why isn't life just perfect? Like why? Does bad shit still happen? Like, why are there natural disasters? All this kind of thing. In the second movie, they get into, like, how the Matrix just has, like, problems like any other computer program. And that, like, explains why the world, like, gets shitty after a while. That makes sense. What was it? Like, they needed to make the Matrix, like, a place where, like, bad things happen. Like, it couldn't be a paradise or else. Right. The humans, like, didn't accept it is, like, Mm. the way that they presented it. Yeah, which I think means like we're like humans are inherently flawed, so we just like can't exist in in a utopia. Yeah, you should watch those movies, Savannah. I Finish should. Off the trilogy. I've got I got plenty of time. 
in this there dystopia that I'm living in. <laughs> so if if you're kind of a noob to the Matrix, I don't know if like, you know, people don't like the other two movies. You think they're bad. Gotcha. But I I enjoy them quite a bit. And I think Raul likes them too. And so I'd be interested to see like what your un like biased opinion would be. You're not colored by like everybody hating on those movies. That's true. It's true. Yeah. So I'd, go watch. Go watch. I'll, I'll report back to you. There we go. Part two coming soon, guys. <laughs> Savannah, in the movie, did you have a favorite character? Uh, I'm bad with character names, but is it Trinity? Yep. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Loved her. Badass. What'd you like about Trinity? That she was a badass. <laughs> she. What was the scene that Grace and I were like, oh my god. It was right with all the helicopter stuff and she like fly, she, she downs, downloads the like pilot setting and then she flies the helicopter yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. totally badass and then it starts to crash and she she gets on the whatever and like swings down and hits the building and yeah. yeah. She's an action hero. Yeah. Complete badass. You two were Definitely. getting pretty thirsty over Trinity. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have to shut this chat down. It's funny because I just said it to like mess with Christopher and then he put it in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally N- fair. Not that it's not true, but definitely um, <laughs> Chris uh, didn't get the joke. Yeah, Trinity is, a, is an empowered babe for sure. Exactly. Respect. She's um, even more badass in the sequels. Like, she's completely, like, she's basically just, like, a uh, girl Neo in the rest of the movies, basically. Sold. She's, uh, I think if you're, like, ranking everybody and their, like, fighting ability, like, when they're in the Matrix, I think, like, Trinity is, like, number two. Yeah. Just because she doesn't have superpowers like Neo does. Right, right. Which, doesn't that kind of make her more badass? Yeah. If you ask somebody who likes Batman... I don't know if that's an insult. <laughs> it's like people who like Batman are like, oh, he doesn't have any powers. That's what makes him cool. He's like more like Oh, like the real like, real guy. He's just a shit, dude. That know? kind of thing. So to that end, did you have like, I imagine it's one with her in it. Did you have a favorite scene? The, probably the helicopter scene. Yeah, that one where she flies it right after it. Elaborate on why you like her and her in that scene so much. Like, we're joking, like, you guys have, like, a big old, like, crush on her, but, like, what's the... If you could distill it down, why do you really deep down like Trinity and, like, the way she appears in this movie? I guess she just comes off as really strong and also, you know, in charge of herself. Yeah, she doesn't take shit from anybody. She kind of takes charge i guess that would be what i liked about her it's always nice to see an empowered woman in a in a movie like that and this movie is kind of old for that too yeah i mean she was still a secondary character who fell in love with neo but yeah boo boo (laughs) they had it right for a second (laughs) boo people falling in love that sucks exactly so not progressive gross Uh, did do you know anything about the director's I don't. These movies. I don't. Um, I think that would make you more interested in the uh, feminism or gender equality 
uh, angle of these movies uh, because the directors uh, are both transgender women. And like in the 90s, they were like the the Wachowski brothers. And now they're just the Wachowskis. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Huh. That they were transgender? Yeah, since when? Oh, man. Uh, one of them transitioned like in the mid 2000s. I think maybe even while the movies were still being made. And then uh, later on, the other one transitioned. I don't know what years exactly it took place, but they're both transgender women. I had no idea. That's bad. Yeah. What are their names again? The Wichows- what are their names? Wachowski. Wachowski. The Wachowski, Wachowski sisters. Just the Wachowskis. They're they, them, I believe. Cool uh, name. Yeah, cool name. But it's it's interesting because when they made The Matrix, the OG one, they were the Wachowski brothers, both identified as men. But like, if you take their transgenderness into account now, like it, a lot of the movie could be interpreted in a different way. So like the character Switch, for example, do you remember who Switch is? No. It was one of the, one of the one of the side characters who's on the ship. Uh, she's the one who dresses in all white, like when oh, with the, the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the white blonde hair. Yeah, uh, that's Switch, and Switch is like, I think, inarguably kind of an androgynous character, and dresses the same, and also their name is Switch. So like, it's easy to make this connection that that's kind of like an early projection of some like gender issues that the one of the directors or both the directors were like dealing with at that time because there's this character that's just like a living metaphor for like gender identity that's interesting i'm gonna have to rewatch it i didn't pick up on all of that but even that makes sense all the women in the cast and i can only think of trinity and switch at the moment at least for this first movie but they're all very like non-feminine like trinity is like a hundred percent just stoic yeah you know wall like wall of no emotion that kind of energy yeah it's it's i think speaking as a man so who knows i think it like celebrates women as just making them emotionally indistinguishable from the guys Uh uh-huh in all three of these movies so and it's not to say that like everybody acts like guys it's just that like everybody doesn't have qualities that like separate them because of their gender yeah and i was gonna say i think part of the reason some of the matrix stuff didn't phase me um and same with when we watched when we watched star wars some of the weird you know creepy looking alien like you know creatures and characters that's those are themes that were definitely in that show um kind of the abnormal the only a really twisted brain could think this up kind of stuff mm-hmm so I think that's another reason the Matrix wasn't like <gasps> like earth shattering for me because I spent a lot of years watching a really strange, you know, man time traveling and going sure. to his time and space traveling and um, yeah. all that nerdy stuff. So I don't I don't know anything about Doctor Who, but I'm like certain that that is like a lore rich show. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think sci-fi does a really good job. Like I think this is like the critical aspect of sci-fi 
is that it's these like fantasy concepts, you know, essentially non-realistic things, but under the veil of sci-fi, it makes your brain think of like, oh, what if like that's what it was? What if that's the reality? And it just hits you in a way that's like different than just seeing like a goblin cast a spell or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the cool things, but also the big criticisms of the Matrix is it like gets into philosophy. And you could say that's like really cool, or you could say that's super lame and really full of itself. And I, I think it's pretty cool. But I mean, the whole like we're living in a simulation isn't like an original idea from the Matrix. You know, it's kind of it's like an older like philosophical like thought experiment. And so just like kind of fusing that with like sci-fi, like machine uprising is like what makes the matrix special. And And, and today, like when people think about like the matrix is more in front of people's minds than like the original sort of like, like philosophers thinking about like the nature of reality and stuff like that. Yeah. People associate that kind of thinking more in line with like the matrix and they do anything else. Right. Yeah which I think is awesome. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah, people aren't like referencing like Descartes. They're referencing the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Power of pop culture, I guess. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just like a great mix of like themes and concepts with it like mixed into a really good action movie that everybody's seen that. The action parts besides that one with the helicopter, the action scenes were my least favorite. Just- really? putting that out there yeah i i i liked you know the take charge i'm gonna fly this plane you know uh, that i liked that but the whole scene before it where they were like going through that like corridor or whatever like they're entering the building you know uh-huh. what i'm talking about yeah the shootout and, in the lobby yeah yeah mm-hmm. i zoned out <laughs> that that scene i'll i'll grant you is like kind of ridiculous it takes so There's long too. So There's much, like no like, reason. Tile <laughs> and dust flying. Oh, around. also, the scene in the subway is probably the only scene I, I like. That's the only scene I really recognized from the movie before seeing it in full for the first time. So I must mm-hmm. have seen like a clip of it somewhere. But that that scene was also just very. I felt like it just dragged on. <laughs> I'm okay with that scene. That scene can be long if it wants. <laughs> so cool. I say I'll, I'd agree with Savannah. I am not like a huge fan of action sequences to begin with, especially ones that I've seen before. Sure. And I know how it's going to end. Yeah, it's just not the part of the movies that I enjoy the most. I think a well choreographed action sequence done to really good music can really like get me going because I think it's like the same part of my brain where I see when I see someone dancing. Uh, uh-huh. You also get really jazzed up. Well, it's just like it's a cool thing to watch, you know, when you see a good dancer to like a piece of music and like everything syncs up really well, it like releases some kind of chemical in your brain. Yeah, that makes sense. When I watch uh, like Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves like doing this like capoeira thing on this like mat and these like drums are going in the background, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like I enjoy watching this. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I I like action sequences for that reason. I don't. I see them. I think like dumb gunfights that like go on for really long are not that entertaining. So like Star Wars, we watched that last night is like a great example. There's this like part where like Luke Skywalker, he's at the this part of the 
Death Star like inside it where there's a, a bridge missing. Yeah, and, on, and on he spaceship. and Princess Leia are like shooting up. Yeah, and they're shooting up at some stormtroopers across the way yeah. while he's trying to like get across. And there's just like 30 seconds of like this cutting back and forth between the stormtrooper shooting and then Luke Skywalker shooting <laughs> and the stormtrooper shooting and everybody's missing each other. Right. And it's like, what am I watching? Like it's <laughs> right. the same angle each time. And I'm just getting more like exposure to them like firing blasters. And I don't or, understand yeah. what's supposed to be entertaining. And I might get some hate on this, but even when and this is not about the Matrix anymore, but when Obi Wan and Darth Vader are fighting and their lightsabers just keep like hitting hitting each other in the middle and it's like they're not actually trying to hit each other <laughs> they're just like yeah crossing it's worst, towards the worst lightsaber fight of all time yeah. yeah for sure how did we get here we were talking about action sequences yeah, yeah, Star yeah, Wars. yeah. <laughs> we've never done this before do you want to have her like give a score oh like, yeah yeah one out of ten okay i'm gonna give it oh give us your final thoughts on that oh, final thoughts first okay I thought it was a very good movie. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not being original. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, no, I really liked it. I did. It was fun. It felt like a like a nice little break from you know what I usually watch, and it was just kind of happy to be in on it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. Thanks for being in on it. Thanks. Totally. Thanks for thanks for having me in on it. <laughs> You're welcome. What's the and also give us your score. Okay, my score is going to be mm, let's say a 7. Okay. Lines of code out of 10. Nice. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The raining code. It's a pretty yeah. iconic image right. in this movie. Exactly. All right. Well, well thanks, thanks for joining us, Savannah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Bye. Bye, Savannah. Podgoo Plus. Today's episode is sponsored by Podgoo Plus. Let's face it, our world is powered by pods and the puny humans that populate them. But the embryonic goo that those bipedal batteries float in just isn't cutting it. That's where Podgoo Plus comes in. Using patented goo technology, Podgoo Plus preserves the human body to the optimal degree. No more sloughing skin or foul odors. Podgoo Plus ensures that your hollowed out human husks remain in the perfectly neutral mind-body subjugation. Pick up your Podgoo Plus at our brand new e-commerce neural network. Use promo code WHOLE, that's H-O-L-E, at checkout for an additional million gallons of goo at no cost to you. Podgoo Plus. It keeps your precious fresh freshler frog. <laughs> <laughs> Podgoo Plus. It keeps your precious fresh fresher <laughs> fresher. Precious flesh fresher keeps your fresh flesh fresh. Your <laughs> Fresh flesh fresh. It keeps your precious flesh fresher longer. I want to say like flong at the end. What about as a jingle? Podgoo Plus, it keeps your precious fresh fresher longer. That's good. Podgoo Plus, it keeps your precious flesh fresher longer. It keeps your precious flesh fresher longer. Podgoo Fresh is not responsible for any of the damages in the Okay, let's get back to the movie. I got one thing. Um, so, like after our discussion, I like I did a little more reading mm -hmm. on the Matrix, and like I read this paper 
by this famous theory of mind philosopher david chalmers uh-huh. on the matrix and it wasn't uh ended up not being related to the discussion we had but it was pretty interesting nonetheless what was it about he was basically trying to like like assert that the matrix sort of scenario is like oh god it's hard to explain the the big takeaway from it was that like if our world is in fact like the matrix like scenario that it's not that big of a deal because essentially the reality that we know is as good as any other and so learning that we are in the matrix doesn't change you know what job you're at or who your relationships are with yeah i mean that's it, it doesn't it doesn't undermine everything about your world it's just like a little added fact yes that like also and by the way it's like actually made it by a simulation yeah it's insignificant that's kind of what we were saying with savannah earlier right with the blue pill red pill where it's like you just kind of go with whichever of the two realities is better right yeah yeah like both realities have proven themselves to not be like like you're not suffering in the matrix and I guess you could say you are suffering in the real world. I don't know. But like nothing really changes between the two. And so you just go with which one you can live more comfortably in. Yeah. I disagree a little bit with like the the argument laid out by Chalmers. But because like basically like all the human bodies are real of the people that are in the matrix. So it's not like that hard of a stretch to think that if the machines weren't there, that those people could have been like free and not living in the matrix so we're in a situation where basically you've been like kidnapped and enslaved by somebody or something that's bad yeah i think it kind of just comes down to like how do you define like what's the real person and that's like a deeper like philosophical question because if you said like just your consciousness is strictly like it's all you and your body is just a vessel you know Uh then like really no harm is being done like you're not experiencing pain, uh, your body is like fed and nourished, and like you can live a healthy life like inside of your own mind. But if you think that like oh it's like human, like just because the human bodies are like kidnapped, like that's the actual person and like that's bad, then yeah it is. Then it is bad. To me, it's the fact that like both the machines and real humans, like historical humans, both lived in the same world. It's right. it's like one thing to say that like uh like the Elon Musk simulation theory thing is a little bit different. What's it, the it Elon Musk simulation theory? So it just it's not uh as detailed as the matrix. It just it just says generically that we live in a simulation. And I think like the details aren't are purposely vague on what exactly the setup is. Um like you could say that like the gods are simulating us or something like that. Sure, yeah. But but the fact that in the Matrix it's like machines <laughs> that real people made are simulating like humans again, it's like they they're exist within the same plane of reality. Yeah. And the machines created a lower plane of reality and then enslaved people in them. Yes. Agreed. So there's some tension there. Yes. It's not okay, I think. I think like ultimately what the machines did is not okay. Yes. I will say if human life was always like the way it was in its current form of the matrix uh-huh. yeah there would yeah. be no moral like uh, problems with it i think if if um yeah if, if we the were matrix like matrix was real but there was never a point in time in the real world that that happened in that right 
because that you, was just the yeah yeah the, the machines like stole something from us in that way whereas like in the scenario exactly. i'm describing in exactly. the in the scenario i'm describing like we never had anything that was just our existence always so this is a great point chalmers kind of touches on this except that he talks about it in terms of like the life of one human he's like if a real human is kidnapped and then woke up in the matrix and let's just say that they never knew that it happened you know mm-hmm. there no break in continuity for them he said he admitted that that was bad because you're that is objectively bad but you can take it a, a little bit not at, from an individual's perspective but, but like from the whole species perspective if you have a free human race and then enslave them into the matrix like i think that's still bad for the same reason yeah mm-hmm. take that david chalmers the elon musk theory that you described where it's like could be gods or whatever that thought experiment has no utility at all i think <laughs> well the god thing i kind of i kind of made up i think Uh-oh. the main the main features of the elon musk thing is just that that statistical argument about and it, it takes like 10 seconds to say so it tells you how uh sophisticated this type line of thought is it's like in the future we'll have the ability and capabilities to simulate worlds you know, in infinitely complex worlds and we'll be able to do so on a massive scale. Therefore, most worlds and realities are simulated. Therefore, most likely we're simulated. Yeah. And I, what I say to that is who cares if that's the case, which is kind of what Chalmers is saying, right? Where it's like, if if I've lived my whole life in a simulation and it, I'm not enslaved or I'm just like a projection of something, but like in no way does that affect like my reality or consciousness, then like what good does that knowledge do me? Yeah, this is a slightly more benign case, but what if like, because like we think we live like on earth and that we've had like this human history, like we think that we know we're like grounded like we think we know a little bit about the history of our species you know with respects to biology and evolution and all that and uh-huh. so all of that would be a lie in these simulated realities and i think that's kind of offensive if i found that out to be true like as a scientist uh-huh. if i found out that all the stuff that i was studying was like set up sure yeah unless like the simulation we're in is like perfect and like there's a hundred percent chance that you will like live and die like within the matrix then your like your reality like doesn't mean anything like what you perceive to be the real thing or not like you'll come and go and that's all of, you'll have known yeah yeah uh, a very fruitful area of, of thinking for me i've been just kind of like uh ruminating on this for the last few days the matrix as a whole yeah just thinking about it i thought a lot about like you know, what you would need to simulate different sensory things. Yes. We talked a lot and about I, this in our post zoom thing. That was the main thing. And I got yeah. a new area a- approach to it that may be interesting to you. Okay. Uh, it has to do with like taste and smell. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, y- you'll agree that like the way we taste and smell things like in the abstract is that we have these brains and inside of these brains are the minds of us. And what happens is that when we taste something, we take like this physical chunk of matter, this physical system, and then have it interact with our body, you know, this external physical system to our mind. Uh 
it's that interaction produces then you know downstream effects that we we can sense right the problem with simulating stuff like taste and smell is that the external input to our brains like the actual chemical makeup of the food would have to be known to then understand how it's going to like like it's not enough to just understand the brain completely let me yes. more sincerely is it possible to create a new food in the matrix and create an entirely new sensory experience yes i think so and have it match up with like like let's say in in the matrix i create a new food uh-huh um would that food taste the same as if i had done the same thing in real life i think so yes because how would you know the information of how something tastes like is locked at a at a like chemistry level like at a molecular level in the makeup of the food itself right so how do you get there from like a simulation i don't understand the question just like how does a simulation like reproduce the chemistry of an object yeah well, I think it's just the the simulation is like that complex that it can simulate like chemical reactions. Okay. So that's that's a problem for me cuz that is less of a simulation and that's more of just like like that's pretty extreme. That's a pretty extreme simulation like the level of complexity. Well, yeah, I think that's the idea. I think that's that the idea. That is at, if it can do that, like that is as as rich of a reality as the one that we have. There's a yeah. real problem here. That is no different. If you can simulate all of those physical processes down to the basic level of physics, uh-huh. there is no difference between that world and ours. Yeah, I agree. And that's why like, there's a question of what's the difference between living in the matrix and living in the real world because perceptually it's exactly the same. It's just like, the circumstances are different. That's my whole argument is that like what we were saying the other night, you were questioning the whole like how do you simulate taste and smell and those types of things because you were saying that it was all perceptual. Like it's in how do you know that this the green that I see is the same green that you see? Like you can't see through someone else's eyes. And like I was saying that in the future I'm assuming that the degree that which they can simulate things is like a perfect understanding of the brain and the chemical of makeup of everything and the interactions between the two. And so if you have all of that information, then certainly you can just simulate it to a brain. That's huge though. I mean, it I'm not really disputing, is... I'm not disputing that it's huge. I'm just saying that's how I think the matrix is supposed to work. See, I thought it was a little bit less complex than that, where essentially you're just sitting within a video game. And, you know, video games have, they usually try to replicate like some degree of like physics. Yes. In them, but they're usually like, um, you know, it's not, it's not 100% like real right. physics. Like yes. if you, if you walk through a, a bush to take an example that I noticed the other day while yeah. playing Red Dead. It's uh-huh. not like every single molecule of every branch of the bush is reacting to you yeah. touching it and itself. It just has this kind of like animation. Like when you walk through it, it just kind of jostles. Yes, I agree. I know. And so that is 
that is cheating reality. That's like a shortcut through reality. Yes. To give something, the impression of something happening. This is like super interesting because you could say like, well, obviously if you wanted to like sell reality, like that's how you would have to make the matrix, you know? Uh Uh-huh. But like the really interesting thing is if a human like spends its entire existence like in a simulation you th- i think you could make the argument that you could make the simulation like whatever like you could take right, a- right right you could take away some of those like sensory perceptions and you could basically put everybody in a minecraft looking world right everything super and pic- you would accept it everything yeah. super pixelated like physics doesn't make sense but like if that's all you knew like that's what you would perceive to be reality Right, right. And then if you allegory of the cave style, yeah. And then if you woke up from that in like this three D world where you were all smooth and you could like smell and taste and hear things, then like your brain would fucking explode. Just like (laughs) sensory, like over, uh, overdrive. That's why I'm pretty sure we don't live in the Matrix because like people that study science have to study systems that are like so complex that even our like at best attempts at understanding them or just we basically do the same thing that like red dead does to try to gain understandings that cheat reality just like try to generalize reality but we can never simulate every atom you right. know of your body to get the whole thing but you could say that uh an entirely unified autonomous race of machines could maybe do that to have that like computational power yeah it's it's like one way to do it is that like if i do an experiment like on some chemical system and get like all this information about like how it behaves at a really molecular level Mm -hmm. like assuming we're in a matrix that doesn't simulate the whole universe which i think is just like untenable Mm mm-hmm one thing you could do is to just simulate experiment results that trick the experimenter that are consistent. Like the experimenter thinks that he knows chemistry. So when he puts his, you know, yes, his sample in the machine uh-huh. and they'll be like, oh, well, by the rules of chemistry, he expects this result. So we'll simulate that. Right. Without ever actually touching, you know, doing the whole simulation of all the atoms. Right. And then like you could do the same thing. Uh, I think the, a good example is like in the matrix, like what was space travel like? Like if you were the machines, you wouldn't want to really to save on power. You wouldn't want to simulate anything that's like outside of the reach of humans. So like, uh-huh. why would you simulate the entire solar system? Right. Cause like humans will never go there. So you yeah. just simulate only the bare necessities. It's just like a procedural generation of graphic graphics, right? Uh huh. Where it's like wherever the humans are looking, you just kind of like simulate an image like right there. Yeah, yeah. To that end, when you're talking about computational power, I was thinking about this, which I, I, have, I have a good theory about like the architecture of the matrix itself. So it's this, uh, it's basically like a server, right? If you think about like what the matrix is, like as far as hardware goes in the real world, it's like some like mastered computer that is like hosting this environment and then all these people are like plugged into it. But to our discussion, it's like that would have to be like the largest computer in the world to simulate that much reality all the time. 
right? Uh-huh. And the way that the real world uh, or the Zion people, the way they get into the Matrix is they, they talk about it as like hacking into the Matrix through like a pirate signal. It's like a wireless connection thing that they're doing. And so that make and they can do it from like a lot of different places, like all over the the tunnels of the earth. That's right. And yeah. so that makes me believe that the matrix, like whatever physical structure it is, like if it's, you know, network cables that are being run, that that shit like runs over the entire planet. Like cuz it would have to be like that big, right? Whatever this machine is that's creating this network of reality that's that complex for all of these different humans all at the same time i feel like it would just have to be like absurdly large and so and so its signal would basically be present like wherever you went that's a satisfying thought that like in order to simulate the whole world you would like need a whole world's resources to do it yeah definitely but just um just to tie off this whole conversation we can talk about the animatrix next i i finally like hammered down to what the difference between like simulating taste and smell were and simulating audio and video which is what like it's it's the information needed to represent the sensory inputs to like uh, take a, a painting for example all you would need to like represent the information present in a painting is um rgb grid of pixels basically if you wanted to that'd be good enough but to represent the taste of something you're basically forced to go to like chemistry i see you're you're forced to interact with like the most basic i might i don't know man i might like challenge you on that one i think let me let me put uh put it this way so like you taste something so like the chemical makeup of a strawberry is interacting with your taste buds and that is creating an electrical signal that's being sent to your brain of n um, n complexity and then if there was just a way to understand exactly the like the frequency or the power or whatever kind of information is being like transferred along your nerves and if you could just like replicate that exact same like charge of electricity, then you would be reproducing the exact same information, right? So well, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like once it reaches your senses, like it's just an electrical signal. Uh-huh. And you just feed that into the brain. But to create the exact like electrical signal for taste and smell, like I feel like you would have to do the simulation where you take the molecule of the thing you're tasting or smelling. And then interact it with like your sense organs. Well, I I don't understand. Like if if it is an electrical signal at the end of the day, uh, you're just talking about like the complexity of that information, right? Because you have to simulate how the chemistry of the strawberry is interacting with the chemistry of your tongue. Uh And like that's a whole other like data set. But like why couldn't you just, I don't know, to like talk about it in like computer speak like that could just be like a batch file right it's like here is the the interaction between like a strawberry and like the human tongue and like this is the data that it produces and like every time someone in the matrix tastes a strawberry you just like double click that 
executable yeah, yeah. file and it just well, produces that information that's why i brought up the example of of being able to like simulate a new flavor that they've never seen before because it seems like at that point i'm okay with the batch thing for like known tastes uh-huh. um and they even say the character says in the matrix it's like oh maybe that's why everything tastes like chicken because the machines were just like didn't want to figure it out for all the different meats so they're just like okay all of these taste like chicken now uh-huh so like what do you put in the batch file for like a new food that you just cooked that's I, like never been made before i mean i think the machines would. where does the information come from i think the machines would be capable of like doing that like i think they'd be capable of like figuring that out if they wanted to because i'm assuming that they have like all of the chemical information for every type of ingredient or every piece of matter or whatever and so they could just run virtual simulations on any combination of food or not and figure out exactly like what the output would be to the human brain yeah i mean which is the answer we we spoke about that you basically have to simulate you know the most fundamental level of physics that we know right but you would only have to do it like in order to obtain a very basic piece of information that then could be translated through an yeah. electrical signal. Yeah. Like you don't need to do that for every single time a person like eats something. You just have to like obtain the information that needs to be fed to their brain uh, in order to make them think that that's what's happening to them. Yeah. Agreed. Which is like a kind of, it's like a much more efficient way to run a simulation. I mean, it's exactly like procedural generating graphics where it's like if no one is looking at it then there's no reason for it to be there or be simulated or if there is a way to like store assets and only recall them when necessary instead of like generating the assets from scratch like that's a more efficient way to run any kind of program definitely definitely this is a cool way to think about the matrix like how would you actually do it how would you actually do it yeah it's, you know, ultimately, I don't think we do live in the matrix because for the entirety of human history, we have like no idea about like science, you know, like the scientific revolution was only a few hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So why would you there's so much like structure built into reality? Why would you simulate that structure? Because that's what you're saying, like to be able to do these things, you would have to simulate the molecules and whatnot to get it exactly right. Mm-hmm. because we now understand that's how that works yeah to, to me that's like the the insurance policy like we know that we're not in a simulation because the world is more complex than it would have to be than it would need to be yeah i it think it really seems like it's just like the fundamental building blocks and everything else comes up from that yeah i think what that whole like minecraft thing i described earlier like helps me a lot because I'm like, there's no reason that we need to live in a perfect a perfect version of what like actual human reality would be like. The machines, it would actually make sense for them to simulate something a lot simpler and a lot yeah. less uh, CPU hungry. Like just give us the bare minimum of like what humans will accept and like right, save right. on your electricity bill. Yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about the Animatrix? Yeah cool dude any of them in particular i've got two that i really want to talk about but we can talk we can talk about any of them that you see fit okay there are a few that i just kind of zoned out on and i hope they weren't in your list 
Okay. It's the ones that don't delve into the lore. You know, the, the, those are the ones that I kind of like zone out on. There's one um, with like these two samurai or like ninja characters. Yeah. It has yeah. this really cool like little fight scene, but like as far as what's happening in that one, I couldn't tell you. They're just like fighting. So I kind of zone out for that one. The one at the end with the missing cat. I like that one. That one is good. Like on, on the lore side, you learn a little bit. You're like, oh, ghosts and like haunted houses in the world are just a result of a glitch in the matrix. Like that's a fun piece of lore. Yeah. So I'll I'll count that one in the positive pile. Man, we just should go through these like one by one, honestly. Yeah, let's do it. Let me pull up. So if we just want to start with this first one, do you remember the first one? It's like the 3D like kind of video game graphics looking one. That's right. I would argue that that is the worst one. I think that that one is the least interesting out of all of them. And because it's like directly tied to the movies, it's like another ship or something that that's from Zion. And you might actually even see those characters like in one of the movies. And just like the graphics, you know, it's just like it's computer graphics from 2003. So it's like trying really hard to seem realistic, but it's not. And so it ends up looking bad age wise. Uh-huh. So no, no, there's just this one doesn't do anything for me really. Yeah, and as far as lore, it you know, it everything is the same as it is in the Matrix movie. Nothing new is learned. Right. It's all the same elements. Even like the fighting simulation is exactly the same. Yes. So we recognize it. So I don't think there's really much for me to talk about with that one. Um Yeah. But the the next two are the second renaissance part one and second renaissance part two and those are about the uh, history of the machine uprising for lack of a better way of putting it these are my favorite yes maybe not surprisingly it's like it it covers the history of exactly how we got from 1999 modern civilization to what is the real world in the matrix which is humans are being farmed and yeah machines are told through the point of view of machines of the machines themselves yeah the machines are like the sympathetic characters in that history uh they were like the abused party out of the Uh two and in this retelling you know they're retelling their own story which the fact that like the machines have history at all is like pretty mind-bending because you usually think of like machines as being like uh like just dead like no soul just automatons but the fact that they are reflective in this way enough to like keep track of their history and document it very revealing as the machines as a whole like in the matrix are pretty interesting if you like start to pay attention because like if you look at when they're in the real world and they're like running from like the like the squiddies what are they called sentinels those things with tentacles those things are basically like terminators right like they like seek and destroy and they're the very cold-blooded like killing machine but like other machines that they interact with are a lot more complex so like there's this part at the end of the first matrix movie where like agent smith takes his uh his earpiece off and he starts talking to Morpheus about how he hates the Matrix and he's like disgusted by them. And these are all like 
kind of like human qualities, like being pissed off at like humans' existence or like complaining about how they smell. This, right. I think that's a pretty big plot twist up until that point. Yeah, it's right, being right. upset like at all, which is like kind of the uh, the human quality that comes out of left field there. And so like you get this idea that like, okay, machines are not just these like cold-blooded terminators that are just trying to like survive. Like they, uh, I don't know, they are like... Uh, introspective in some way or they have like some human qualities as far as taste or preference yeah it looks like they're conscious yeah and i don't know if that's like a question about like is consciousness like the ability to have those things to have preferences i don't know but i I just like that like other sci-fi stuff it's like machines are machines are like these robots and they just care about killing humans but in this movie they're like I don't know, they're, they're something different. They're not just like and a it's... perfect replication of humans. They're not like this cold-blooded machine Terminator thing. I keep saying that, but like there's something like in between. They're like this imperfect, like feeling robot. Right, right. And it's only really hinted at like through Agent Smith, I think is like the biggest example because eventually in the rest of the movies, he becomes like an independent entity no longer you know working for the machines themselves he's like doing his own thing i think there's another example of like a machine acting like that in the matrix well i think there's actually multiple but like um you know when you go into the other movies there are these auxiliary program characters you know because in the first matrix movie it's just the agents right it's the yeah the agents are the only like ai that exists in the matrix but in the subsequent right. movies, you have these other characters that pop up that are kind of these like mob boss. They're kind of like video game bosses, villains and good people who like have emotion and depth to them. So they they seem more human like in that way. And so there's something about programs that are just like as human as anything else. And that's what this is why the other movies are good, because the third one really gets into that when they open up with this uh, family. Do you remember this? This family in the subway station? Uh, remind me. It's been a so while. So it's like uh, Neo wakes up in this like subway station and there's this Indian family. I think they're Indian. Where it's like this man and his daughter and his wife and they're talking to him about like where they're going. Like they're about to get on, a, uh, on this like a virtual subway to go somewhere. I think to go to, yeah. the, to the Matrix or to the machine world or vice versa but the point is that like neo starts questioning like the program's like motivations he's like why are you trying to leave and the guy's like well i love my daughter very much and i love my wife and i want to make sure that they're safe and he's like you're a machine like what do you mean and he's like you don't think that like machines or like programs are like capable of love or something like that and so it just like dives into like the nature of AI and if like it's a oh, per- wow. perfectly sufficient AI then like yeah it would be capable of like caring about other other life forms as it perceived it. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so the the sequel movies definitely delve into some some new philosophical territory. They're not just the first movie with more action sequences. Yeah, I think to a lesser they... degree than the f- the first movie, right? It's not all philosophy and uh, questioning like the nature of your reality but it definitely like does some novel things yeah yeah 
Isn't the Oracle also a machine program? Yeah, I forgot about that. She is the other example in the first movie of like a program that can do something different. Yeah, it's not clear if they had that intention in the first movie because there's really no. If she's like a program. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, because Neo like asks like he like uh, interrogates her about being a program in the second movie. Maybe we should have guessed that because like why would a human oracle not be like live still in the matrix but be like independent yeah speaking of that scene do you know what's going on with the uh like when neo goes to the oracle's apartment and there's all those kids there like you know what that's all about no i asked grace the same question i realized that it wasn't as like obvious as i thought it was so i assume if i could just give my first thoughts yeah, yeah, about do it. i assume that those children were programs okay and that the oracle was trying to kind of like i think the oracle was trying to kind of create or like unleash like a new machine consciousness like trying to wake up machines okay to be like more human yeah and like that's what that kind of that's what she's kind of doing so she's kind of playing as an intermediary between the humans and the robots yeah i like that because machines the, the the whole mind twist of the matrix of it like being a fake world and not real that would be as a big of a mind fuck whether you're a machine or not. Yes. And that's what, uh, when we go back to the Animatrix, the very last Animatrix episode, I think is cool for that reason. But to round off that Oracle thing, I don't think that that's what's going on, like what you said, but I, I think that's a cool idea. What I think is going on is uh, when he bring or when the woman brings Neo into that room for the first time, she's like, you can wait here with the other potentials. And I think that's uh her saying these other kids are potentially like the one you know the person who can like control reality uh to whatever degree they want that's demonstrated by their ability you know like some kids are like floating some blocks and they're being like telekinetic that one kid can bend a spoon stuff that you could conceivably think in the real world like oh there's this story of this like himalayan like monk that can like bend a spoon with his mind and like that would be evidence for someone being able to wake up like the one can. Cause uh-huh. the only like prerequisite to being the one is that you can just like change reality, like at your will because you know, you're in a simulation fully or something. Uh-huh. And so I think that the Oracle is like looking for the one and anybody who can do some like uh, extraordinary or like supernatural shit is like, a good candidate for being the one. So they're all just kind of there being like evaluated by the Oracle to see if like that's the guy or girl. Nice. nice. Think that holds water? Yeah. No, I, I okay. I buy that. I'm sure that's like talked about in like great detail with like a lot more certainty in some fan wiki somewhere. I feel like the Oracle character in like the second and third movie, she plays a much bigger part. Yeah. I feel like there's it's all bullshit those scenes like they're just like meant to be like super abstract and like nonsensical and like mystical i guess is the word that i would say the oracle scenes yeah i don't know about that no i mean she talks exactly like a mystic would like take away like all of the matrix stuff Mm -hmm. if she was a character in real uh, another movie she would just be like a, a shaman type she does give some pretty technical explanation to like how the matrix functions 
in some pretty basic ways. So she explains how like everything supernatural that you experience in the world is like a program misbehaving. She talks to Neo about like how can he really trust her if she's actually a machine? And she's like, well, you really you can't trust me is the bottom line. So you have to like make up uh, you have to make up your own mind. And so like she kind of interweaves between like kind of explaining how the Matrix works and who she is. And I think out of sort of the oxymoronic relationship of those two things that like she starts speaking like a mystic because you have to at that point where she's like, well, you have Uh to like, you know, you have to decide for yourself like you're the master of your own destiny like i don't know it it just like doesn't make sense after a certain point when the oracle explains everything so it kind of has to transition to this the mystical uh for fortune teller kind of language well maybe i'll have to rewatch it because i remember like being very frustrated when i saw these movies when i was younger where i'm like you're being so obtuse right now to neo he's just he just wants some like straight up answers Mm -hmm. you remember like she changed actors like the the person died right so they yeah, yeah. a new one uh-huh. and they're like well how do you explain this and she's just like oh well sometimes things aren't as they seem and things sometimes are yes as they aren't that is bullshit and i'm like that well, what <laughs> the whole explanation what? of her being different is is total bullshit yeah yeah i'm with you there there's one particular like um animatrix one that i really want to talk about yeah which one world record. world record yeah that's the one. Um, so this one to set Knew it. to set it up uh, for the listener. This is like about a Usain Bolt type of character. So this like Olympic level uh, sprinter, Olympic stripper, st- stripper sprinter. Yeah. Um, no, I think you said it right. <laughs> Olympic stripper. <laughs> Man, I just invented a new Olympic event. It'd be so cool. The highest performance stripping in the world. That would be really cool. But anyways, this sprinter, he's like the fastest man in the world and he's like uh, training super hard as like like you do as an athlete at the top of their game, like at the highest performance level in the world. And should I just spoil it immediately? Oh, sure. Sure. So like there's this interview that he has with this reporter where he's like, you know, I've never felt this good. I've never felt like this on top of things and his... Uh, trainer or his like coach or whatever is like you have to like chill out on your training like you're gonna push your muscles too hard and they're gonna like burst like while you're running like you're like too like you're pushing your body to its limits like you can't do anymore and so fast forward to the actual race you know he's running and there's this super cool super slow-mo sequence but it's all on anime so it's like super slow-mo but it like 12 frames a second it looks amazing from an animation perspective but right because like the the reason for that is because basically like this guy this world-class athlete is so exceptional that he is somehow able to like break the illusion of the matrix yes when he's like performing during this race that's what that's like a cool like insight into the rules of the matrix i think because this one is where Yeah, This guy, somehow by virtue of, like, training so hard, like, training his body so hard that he, through sheer force of will, like, breaks himself out of the Matrix. 
And so yeah. it says something about how like uh, with sufficient like brain training or I don't know how like athletes like brains are affected when they're like that in shape or like that high performing of an athlete that they just you can break through like a layer of consciousness that you weren't even aware that was you weren't even aware was there. Oh, really? To me, it was more of like a physical thing, like video game rules. Like your character is not supposed to go faster than like X. Otherwise, like the simulation can't catch up or something. No, I I don't think that's what's going on. Because like the whole thing about like his muscles bursting thing, right? That his coach said that there's a part in the sequence where he's he's running so fast that he like pulls a muscle or like his muscles like break. He tears a tendon, whatever like severely like injures himself but because he has this like unstoppable like athletic mindset his muscles actually and they show this in the animation they just like rebuild themselves like he just manifests new muscles in real time so he can finish the race and i think that that starts to approach the whole like oneness quality ah. where you can like you are no longer bound by the rules of the reality because your mind is like so motivated to change it. So why? Do, okay, that, I find that plausible. And it's just like he was so much in the moment, like during the race, like his mind was so, um, you know, like just transcendent. Yes, that it was able to break through. Yes, and that's what like kind of because the the way that sequence ends is he, uh it cuts to him like waking up in the pod and his body is like lunging forward. His like bod, his body is like clawing at like the edge of the pod because he thinks he's still running at that point. Do you know what that is? What? That's like when you're half dreaming running and you kind of like kick in real life. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. But it's just like in that, I think that version of like waking up is like more terrifying than the, the movie version of waking up in the actual matrix. Cause like in the, in the movie matrix, you're kind of expecting like some, some weird shit to go down. Like you just met Morpheus. You took this pill. They hooked you up to some machine, but like this, this guy is just like running. And then like all of a sudden he's in this like different world that he has no context for. And he has no idea why he's there. Right. Right. But after he uh, wakes up, the machines kind of like descend on his pod and what looks like wipe his memory. Yeah, I wasn't clear what what exactly they did to I him. I think they... Because afterwards in the Matrix world, it, it makes it seem like he's kind of a brain dead person. Yeah, I think that that's kind yeah. of the idea is that they had to lobotomize him in order to like keep him under control. I guess you can't have just... Um... I guess why don't they why wouldn't they just kill him at that point? I'm not sure exactly. I think because he can still produce energy. If you it, got except, it, so you you would rather just lobotomize the person. Yeah, it does make you question like why you wouldn't just like by <laughs> default lobotomize all the humans, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that runs into like the basic premise of the movie, kind of being pretty shaky. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta drive past that. Yeah, definitely. But I love 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 just the the rules or like the understanding of the rules of the matrix that that one brings up yeah so that one and the uh the renaissance parts are collectively like my favorite ones the rest of them are nice but 
those in particular I found really impactful when I first saw the the animatrix like a long time ago. Yeah. Also, I just love the animation style. Some great 2000s anime. I think it was all made by... I mean, I'm looking at the credits here. I, I think it's all Japanese people. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure who they are. I assume they're people that were in the anime space. Yeah. I think that there is one more that is really great for me to watch. Oh, the acid trip one? Is it? Is that what you call it? It's like the last yeah, one. Where they're, where they're trying to like turn the robot? That's, yes. So the premise there is there are these humans like in the future world and they're like these kind of ragtag rebel like rebel alliance guys and they capture machines and then they insert the the machines into uh like a version of the matrix that they made like that the humans made it's like it is a simulation but it's uh, more rudimentary and it can interface with more basic machines uh, i guess i don't know but that one i think it it starts to dive into like what the consciousness of the machines actually is or like what kind of creature the machines actually are yeah and that was quite a revelation because up until that point we you know are, are, have known and are comfortable with uh program machines in the matrix that you know can be autonomous uh-huh but now we're actually realizing that the physical machines themselves also seem to be controlled by, you know, these these programs that are essentially conscious to one extent or another, or at least not simply um, automatons, not simply just these machines that carry out the behaviors laid out by algorithms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can try to convert one of the machines you know, come to the good side, to the human side, tells you that there is something that can be converted in the first place. Right. You can't do that with your toaster. Nope. I tried. <laughs> What's the last time that you saw this movie? Ooh. Maybe just a few years ago. It is, like, my favorite movie, so I don't go terribly long without seeing it. I know this movie pretty backwards and forwards. Okay. It's fair to say you've seen this movie plenty of times before? Yeah, definitely. So has your, like, has the movie, like, involved, evolved before you as, like, you've seen it throughout the years? Sure, yeah. Surely it's, like, come to, yeah. I think that, like, uh, early on, I, I actually have, like, a very interesting, like, first memory with this movie. Just to, like, paint this picture a little too clearly my dad like was into some probably some pretty bad business when I was a kid and I would often like be with him where he was like doing dealings with people of the night so I don't know if he was like buying drugs or selling drugs or whatever but like I remember being in some guy's house that like I didn't know and but like my dad was just there to like talk to him for something and they they set uh-huh. me in the living room, and this movie was on. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what an introduction. Yeah, and I don't know how old I was. You know, like the movie was on a TV, so it had to have been like close, like during or like soon after like nineteen ninety nine. Um, uh-huh. 
and there was like a traffic cone like in the corner of this guy's house or like in the living room I was in and then like the room that my dad was in was like one of those that had like a door of beads no yeah. way and so I was in this like really weird grungy house or apartment and I was watching the matrix for the first time as maybe like an eight or nine year old kid and just being completely like sidelined by all of the imagery I was seeing. So the movie's just like your reality is not as it seems. And you look around, you're like, yeah, you might be right about that. <laughs> but super young, like incredibly impressionable, probably shouldn't have seen it at that age. But like that was phase one for the matrix for me. And nice, then uh, nice. I saw it probably when I was a little bit older and like was super into like the action and the martial arts like you do when you're that age. And then when I was a deep teen, I thought the philosophy was pretty cool. And as I got older, I think I probably subconsciously got into the lore. And I was just like super into all things Matrix. Like I had all the video games. I just had seen the movies like a bunch of times. I was super nerdy about it. Uh, and now I think I appreciate the collective value of all of those things. Like at every stage of my life that I saw the matrix and appreciated it for different reasons. And I'm just like, I think I said it in the zoom last night where I like this movie has everything for like all ages. So <laughs> it really does. And so like for me, I, I just had something new to glean from it from every like phase of cognitive, cognitive develop out development I was in. And doesn't sound like you had a lot of cognitive development. Oh, can't even say cognitive development cognitive development but this movie did a lot for me like growing up and and i just like enjoy it like every time i see it and i think for a period i thought it wasn't super cool to like it like i thought it was lame because it was the thinking man's action movie like the way they talk about it like it's so pretentious and like people who like the matrix are idiots and that whole thing but i've decided i've just moved past that and i appreciate it for all the reasons that i very personally enjoy it and the history that i have with it nice nice good spiel give it a rating i think that's your final thoughts yeah i think that is my final thoughts so i have to do it um i'm gonna give this movie a 10 out of 10 oh. <laughs> Just 10 numbers out of 10? What is it? Oh, right. The year. The, yeah. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10, um, like, electric arc guns. Hell yeah. You know, those things that they use in the real world? Yeah, in real yeah. life. It's just like a beam of electricity. It's like, seems like the worst kind of weapon you can have. Um, okay, so we can uh, transition to my final thoughts. I've been super into, like robot versus like human stories recently i'm like reading part of like the dune series like this prequel series of dune and like in the dune universe like ten thousand years before the dune events of the original series like humanity had created ai and it had like spontaneously um like came to like singularity style and just kind of like took over the whole world the whole universe uh -huh. And was just like in control for like thousands of years. And then eventually humans had to like fight back like in a big way. And like one of the most large scale bloodiest conflicts of human history, which um, 
it's pretty cool and then for like the rest of human history the rest of the dune novels humans have like this really embedded aversion to technology which is why like the rest of the dune series is like pretty low on tech which is why i give the dune novels a (laughs) nine out of ten they just transition into final thoughts on dune (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so like i i love thinking about robots and ai and uh the matrix is just like a great melting plot melting plot for all these concepts doesn't sound like you had a lot of cognitive development doesn't sound like I had a lot of cognitive in the bun. But it's great. I, I remember watching The Matrix when I was young, and the biggest thing like like stood out to me is probably the first 20 minutes of the movie. Just like the whole chronicle of like Neo uh, living his life, you know, being not satisfied or just like feeling like something is off to learning that, you know, the nature of his reality. Up until the scene where like Morpheus takes him into the white simulation and like shows them like the whole battery monologue scene Mm -hmm. like that was all just like great stuff when i first watched this movie and that's basically all i have to say it's just it's a series that i think has like a lot of value i love how well it's penetrated into the culture everybody knows what the matrix is people understand it it's stuff that's still talked about a lot today it's aged surprisingly well like the issues of artificial intelligence um have only become more relevant yes as, as time goes on so i think that's given the quick boon uh given the movie franchise like a lot of more relevance in today's age yeah and for all of those reasons and more i'll give this movie nine bowls of oatmeal out of ten what's the cereal that the guy says tasty wheat pasty tasty yeah nine tasty wheats out of ten Brought to you by Podgoo Plus. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look them up at, at W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week is done by Grace Fawcett, actually. Oh, really? Thanks, Grace. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Connect with us at, at FilmholePod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. See, See you, you next, next week. week. Special thanks to Chris Maddy, Savannah Smith, Grace Fawcett, Kartik Bamidipati, and Stacy Kim for uh, joining us for the screen. An extra special thanks for our guest this week, also uh, a watcher, Savannah Smith. Deep Teens. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by Deep Teens.